this is again officially our uh, get on the Green Lake Gridiron event. It is brought to you by WEI in partnership with Hewlett Packard Enterprise. James Hilliard here hosting this event. Glad to be on board. Really high level, the first 30 minutes kind of tech talk, and we'll focus on really the new approaches out there to uh, hybrid cloud, uh, things that are driving uh, security out there, uh, driving innovation, uh, transformation of companies. Those are all ideas and concepts that you're dealing with on a regular basis. Joe, as, as I do turn things over to you, uh, I think this is relevant. I recently had a chance to meet up with one of WEI's customers. Uh, one of the things that customer happened to share was that one, they'd had like the same rep for years and years and years. So there's just a ton of familiarity that the customer had. So that goes a long way. The, the last thing that folks want in the middle of a big project is changing reps, 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 and everything. So this uh, individual said, hey, rep forever, forever. It was great. And was saying, and you know, the next thing we're looking down the line is kind of more cloud stuff. Uh, and we're looking for that guidance from WEI. And, and so I think that's apropos into this part of the conversation. Uh, about cloud and cloud really has changed a lot over the many years. We're not doing a primer on cloud. People understand cloud computing, but there are some changes and there are companies now that are uh, looking at, hey, we did some cloud stuff. Now we need to pull some back. We need more flexibility. Uh, there was some rigidity in cloud offerings back in the day exactly. early on that didn't serve people as well. So a lot of people are looking for that guidance now from the WEIs of the world and from HPE. So with that, let me kind of turn things over to you and, and take some time to talk about where we find things now. And and hey, I see a little uh, word verbiage on the uh, screen that I predicted I might see. Yes, you do. You, you indeed see the Intel logo. You know, we, we're very proud of that a partnership that we have. And thank you so much, Evan uh, and James, for the awesome intro. You know, obviously being the GreenLake Chief Technologist or the Acting CTO for our North America private and hybrid cloud business, uh, I, I would like to say that, you know, we've seen a thing or two about cloud because we've designed a thing or two, right? Uh, you know, and, and we can use, there's so many great lines we can use in this business. But when it comes to partnership with Intel, that goes all the way back to the original Wintel pack, right? That was the Windows or Microsoft Intel and Compaq partnership that has then turned into, you know, an acquisition from HPE and now Hewlett Packard Enterprise being that uh, that. that enterprise side of the former HP. But James, to your point, you know, we've radically changed and come a long way from even just back in 2001, 2002 timeframe when we introduced instant capacity for x86 servers. And that was just our ability to help ensure that our customers had infrastructure before they needed it. That was really kind of one of the primary things the cloud was promising, right? Which was always having access to infrastructure before you need it, as soon as you needed it, it was there. And at the earliest days back in 01, we simply kept the boxes on site for certain customers and they were able to rack and stack them. But as soon as they went online, we would know about it and we'd start billing them and they'd pay for the whole thing and then we'd send them a new one. And, you know, that's not cloud, right? And and even cloud today, uh, you know, having everything up in a public entity whose location you don't necessarily get to dictate is becoming a problem. It's very problematic, in fact, when it comes to, uh, you know, just staying within compliance for the new regulations, right? When it comes to NIST and CIS regulations and general data protection or privacy regulations, it dictates that information needs to stay within the state uh, for any 
residents of any state that data for that resident, the personal information has to stay co-resident within that state physically, geographically. We'll get to that. But that's radically changing the way people look at and manage cloud, right? It's not just a hybrid cloud automation and data migration and management and transformation. And it is all those things, but it's not just that, right? You have to be flexible, right? People want to deliver IT the way they're used to. In some cases, we will always have bimodal IT. And by bimodal IT, I mean that we will have two modes, right? We'll have cloud and then we'll have traditional. And IDC and, and CRN, in fact, just recently increased their expectations. They've, they, we've said for years that 70% of the data that is created in the world will never be fit for a data center or a cloud for that matter, right? It needs to stay at the edge uh, or it needs to be processed at the edge. And as a result, we're changing the way we look at cloud as more of a delivery model versus a destination, right, for your data. Cloud isn't necessarily the destination. It's how you want IT delivered to your business. And you get to choose whether as a customer, you have, you may have a great IT shop, right? You may have a lot of experts and that's great. Maybe you want to manage your own cloud, but you need a private cloud environment to do that or a hybrid cloud that will connect into your multiple public clouds, right? And we've been engineering this solution for over six years and delivering it in one way, shape or form going all the way back to 2001. So we've got at least 22 years of experience during which time we've learned a lot about how people like to consume cloud. And we have finally come out with and now own the edge to cloud platform. We are the number one edge to cloud service provider. In fact, we're recognized by IDC as the number one private cloud service provider, delivering the cloud that comes to you, to James Point. Had to get that in there, James. Yes, HPE GreenLake is in fact the cloud that comes to you that gives you the option of doing both, having public cloud and private cloud and private IT and being able to manage all, see it all from one location. More importantly, not only is the cloud that comes to you, but we're powered by, a, well, we're gonna call it Intel, right? Uh, so going back to the earliest, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, we, we are now offering Intel scalable processors, fourth generation. That's what you find in our Synergy composable technologies, our composable framework fe featured within the HP Synergy 480 Gen 11. Right. And while while the Gen 11 name would have you think that maybe we're just on our 11th generation of enterprise servers, um, it's more like the 21st or 22nd generation because these enterprise class servers go all the way back to 1984 when Compaq uh, in our, our former being, right, uh, from going from Compaq to HP to HPE actually invented enterprise class servers. And these days, we're helping people reinvent how they manage cloud or how you define cloud, right? We started out with a cloud first. Cloud 1.0 was more of a cloud first initiative where all of the CEOs and CIOs were asking of their vice president of infrastructure and CTOs, folks like me, asking, what are we doing in the cloud? What's our cloud strategy? And it may be, you need to have a cloud first strategy. So we would struggle to try to simply lift and shift all those applications, stuff them up in the cloud and hope that everything worked. And you know, the bottom line is a lot of it worked. Uh, some of it didn't work. Um, some of it doesn't work for intellectual property re reasons or maybe privacy reasons or the cost of data or maybe simply the amount of data or maybe it is that the data needs to be uh, acted upon faster than you can move the data to the cloud, get those business insights, and then get the actions back down to the place where they need to be. Um, for instance, 
on an airplane, right? An airplane in flight is going to create more, um, roughly four terabytes of data per hour per engine. Hopefully there's at least two, right? You can't wait for all that data to be transferred and uplinked via satellite link to some data center in the cloud or on the ground, processed, and then sent back to the plane to let them know that the the, either the biometrics or the oxygen levels are too low, the barometric pressure um, in the plane is too high or too low, and by the time you process that information, get it back to the people in a the plane, they may all be unconscious. That's not a good thing, right? Robotics in a manufacturing facility, those robotics need to have computational capability on-site, on-prem, because a disconnection in the connectivity of those robots loses then the portability, the management of the location services, location tracking of those robots, and then somebody's going to have to go push that robot back into its starting position. Not a good thing to do, which is what's pushed us now to a cloud smart, cloud everywhere, cloud right strategy, and one that hopefully has no data egress fees. It's the data egress fees that are really eating so many customers' lunches and pushing their budgets way into the red, which is not a good place to be, right? And again, this is a very mature hybrid cloud solution from HPE GreenLake with many, many partners in the ecosystem. I'm only showing a small spattering of some of the partners we've partnered with in delivering our private and hybrid cloud solutions within the HPE GreenLake portfolio. Understand that every one of these manufacturers is supported and can be included within our HP GreenLake hybrid cloud delivery model, right? And, and we understand it's not an all HPE green world out there, right? Um, we can also include automation, management, and capability and integration of, say, Dell or EMC or whatever, NetApp. You know, uh, the, all, all those other things need to be connected, they need to be managed, and they need to be managed together as one. And that's where HPE and WEI really separate ourselves. The WEI partnership, one of the reasons why they were identified as partner of the year is because their ability to do that integration. You need a third-party product, they can source it for you, they can integrate it for you within their facility or on-prem uh, within the, this private cloud environment and then help manage it for you or simply manage it for you, right? That's the, the strength of that partnership that we have with WEI. And when you look at the shared responsibility delivery model that's depicted on the screen, you see that there are so many things that can be delivered by WEI all the way up to the top of the stack and to the bottom of the stack, right? Um, originally, you know, basically anything with the orange or amber dashed line can be WEI delivered. And some of that can be customer managed or, or customer delivered, right? We, we're not dictating exactly how you want to do it because everybody wants to cloud differently or manage cloud and have a cloud experience differently. Uh, as you look at the service features and the responsibility model over on the left, this cloud management platform that launches everything else can include the guest OS, can include the hypervisor, or it doesn't have to. Maybe it stops at the infrastructure layer. You get to decide where that is. And, and when we're talking about football, you know, maybe it's it's fourth down, two yards to go. You make the call, right? You decide where that cloud service delivery model, that shared service delivery model uh, is cut off, right? And it takes over. Now, you may be wondering, okay, Joe, so it all sounds well and good, but how is this going to save me money from buying infrastructure three years at a time? Well, so let me explain that real quickly. Let's take this purple jagged line as your actual 
IT demand curve. As the business grows, your IT demand grows, and then maybe it settles down and drops a little. Then it grows a little more. Then it settles back down and it grows a little more, right? Nobody's IT demand scales linearly in a nice, clean, diagonal line. Now, for those that are still buying infrastructure three or five years at a time, I say, thank you. I love you. I want, to, I want to send you a personal Christmas card. Please send me your email. I'm not kidding. Um, because, you know, you're you're buying more infrastructure than you need, right? Uh, and, and we thank you for that. Uh, but we think that there's better things you could do with your capital, right? And there's maybe more projects you'd like to do with some of that cash or some of that capital. So instead of locking in that capital, waiting and buying three years and waiting for two and a half years to, for the demand curve to cross the available resource line, we create a buffer that is 10 to 20% more than what your demand is at any point in time. And we stay ahead of that demand, right? Allowing you to pay for only what you use, right? There are insurance companies and customized car insurance, so you pay for only what you need. And that particular insurance company is also an HPE, GreenLake customer, paying for only what they use in infrastructure because we keep this buffer that stays ahead of your demand at all times. We're not tying up that capital and forcing you to basically hold that capital capital hostage within the infrastructure that you're writing down before you even get a chance to use it. And by the way, this spot right here where the purple jaggedy line demand curve has exceeded the available resources, we call this an OSM moment for the VP of infrastructure, the CIO. This is an, it's an oh shit moment, okay? Uh, where unfortunately the IT department can no longer deliver to the demands of the business, right? The available resource has been exceeded by demand, and that doesn't happen with HP GreenLake with our additional buffer. Always staying ahead of your demand, giving you capacity ahead of demand, and helping you save your capital. Now, you may say, okay, Joe, that sounds too good to be true. What's in it for you? It sounds like you're giving me free infrastructure. And to a certain degree, we are, but there is a minimum commit level, right? Um, above which you can have variable usage and you'll pay for only what you use above this minimum commit level. Just like within all the cloud service providers, they have a reserve or minimum commit level. So do we. We try to make sure that we always are keeping that within the barriers of what you actually need. It's not too far below, right? And it's not too high either because otherwise we're, we're wasting infrastructure. So we're always working with you to make sure that we're staying within that sweet spot of delivering you 80% of the infrastructure that we're putting on your prem, delivering you a private cloud on your facility or in the colo service provider of your choice so that you get to choose where that, that private cloud gets implemented. And it's going to connect up to your multiple public cloud instances. We can even house and run Google Anthos private cloud on and in GreenLake. We can own and run Microsoft Azure Stack private cloud on and in GreenLake as well. We can extend to Amazon cloud resources from HP GreenLake. More importantly, we give you visibility to all of that via our GreenLake cloud platform that is our launching pad for all of our cloud services. We have the ability to give you role-based reporting and uh, usage analytics portal that allows you to look at how much you how much resources you're utilizing, not just in your HP GreenLake cloud, but also in your Azure cloud, your Amazon cloud, your Google cloud, and whatever other VMware cloud or other cloud that you may have, we can integrate those all into this usage analytics, consumption analytics portal. We also have role-based 
customized views so that you have a CFO view that can always look at how much spending you're using. Where's the cash being spent? Your IT operations looking at availability, available resources, and uptime reporting at any given point. A DevOps uh, utilization view so that they can quickly spin up VMs, but only within the realm on responsibilities of what their security dictates they're allowed to do, right? So you only give people a usage-based view of what they're allowed to see. We're not forcing people to look at or accidentally have control over resources they shouldn't be able to view. Um, and we keep everyone legal. There's even a legal view, right? If you want assistance with compliance, we can even deliver you IT compliance. And speaking of compliance, it's really important to understand the recent changes in IT compliance. We um, um, have a pointer here to the US State Privacy Legislation Tracker. This is a PDF. You'll get a copy of this for anyone that would like it. I get a copy of this entire deck in PDF format. You can click on this link. It'll take you out to the live view of all the states that have passed these most recent GDPR PII regulations, uh, complicating, I think, compliance. It's really a data tax, plain and simple, right? With California being the first one to pass it, um, when California passed this way back in 2019, it went into effect January 1st, 2020. So this isn't a new thing. For the folks in California should be well aware of these, but what you didn't realize is that there's 11 other states that have already passed this these laws, and there's four more that'll be passing it this year. Even Texas has gotten on board. Board, which means that if you're a company that has customers in multiple states, you need to be cognizant of the fact that the personal information for those states' citizens now will need to be able to be retained, maintained, and stored and processed within those states. Now, stored is the important thing, that the personal information is stored within those states. That doesn't mean you can't access it from other states. You can, and we can help you with that, right? HP and WEI can help you change a couple, three lines of code uh, using our Esmeralda data fabric to access that data no matter where it resides, no matter what cloud or private platform it may reside in or what format it's in to give you access to that data so that it can be processed as close to its logical edge as makes sense. And this is the way that you get around this compliance law while complying. And you don't want to be, you know, subject to any types of, you know, fees or fines, right? They can get into the millions if you're not compliant with these laws. So how is HP helping and HP GreenLake helping our customers? Well, we're helping customers from all walks of life, large, medium, small, extra small and extra large. I can just tell you that not pictured on the screen is the NSA AI High Performance Computing Cloud, which is a 40,000 node, 1 million core supercomputer that we are running. It's a GreenLake implementation for the NSA, delivering the AI capabilities. The Pentagon Cloud or the DISA private cloud is also built on HPE GreenLake. So those are ultra secure private cloud implementations and similar implementations, albeit much smaller for Canterbury Health, as well as for GM Financial and Zenuity. Zenuity helping us with, um, we're gonna call it, uh, well, self-driving cars and autonomous vehicles and autonomous um, you know, devices. And with GM Financial, we're helping them process apps, containerized apps for machine learning and analytics. We're also helping banks radically accelerate the time to detect a fraudulent transaction. We're helping save people lives and process the information faster and visualize those 3D elements faster after following an MRI. 
Um, so we have all kinds of examples. And if you'd like to hear more, please reach out to your HPE and WEI representatives. We have all kinds of examples from small, medium to large to holy crap big. Um, and we'd love to share those stories with you. You can reach out and basically take a test drive of this environment. The GreenLake test drive is available at greenlake.com. That's right. It's simply GreenLake. Dot com. Scroll down to the bottom of the screen and you can click on the take the test drive or you'll be able to click on this link here to take through a proctored tour of GreenLake. And th those are the best ways to see it. Th this product is, is so great. It really demonstrates and sells itself if you just take the test drive. Now you can reach out to me directly, Joe V at HPE.com, or you can reach out as Evan Tyra said here, marketing at WEI.com. We just want to help you solve your cloud woes by helping you deliver the private cloud or, or the hybrid cloud that comes to you. So with that, I'll stop sharing and James, we'll kick it back to you, sir. I appreciate it. And and, and I'm just going to get one comment from you, uh, Joe, and then we're going to move on. I know David Andrews has joined us here, but the the teamwork, and, and I had mentioned uh, a little bit that uh, obviously cloud has uh, uh, evolved. GreenLake has evolved since it's been out there. Um, I no longer in my experiences with many customers, see them coming saying, you know what? I just want the stuff and the gear. I'll go do it myself. That's just not where we live right now. The idea of the partnership and the teamwork and, and people bringing their specific expertise right. is important. And that's, and I know it's important to you as, as you know, the, the office there, the CTO for HPE, it's something that you all live and breathe in that office. And that's why you also specifically work with the types of partners that can bring those expertise. Just talk briefly again, and just about your, your commitment to uh, that idea and philosophy of teamwork. Oh, absolutely. And, 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 you know, I mean, I, I look at teamwork first and foremost, we, we couldn't do this without partners like WEI, right? Uh, folks don't realize it. And Hewlett Packard Enterprise and Hewlett Packard, sure, we've been around since 1939 and it, it's a, it's a well-known brand, but we can't do this alone, right? We are 70% partner delivered. We rely on our partners for every day-to-day -day relationship. And, you know, I, I thank you, Evan, uh, for the partnership that we have. Uh, we've done so many things together with WEI. It just makes life easy knowing that you have someone behind you in case you fail. It's kind of like Aaron Rodgers last night, you know, I mean, who, who knew that he was going to get injured in the fourth down of the entire game, right? And, and that, that team had to rally around Aaron. They didn't fail, right? In fact, they rallied. They stepped up, right? The second string quarterback, who was the first string last year, stepped up and he delivered on a brand new game plan that he wasn't even that familiar with because it was really Aaron's game plan, right? Uh, but the, the defense stepped up and they really did an incredible job. And, and we rely on WEI to do the same kind of things day in, day out for us. So thanks for that. I uh, appreciate it, Joe. And, and we'll hear from Evan a bit later on at the, towards the end of the program as well. We'll continue chatting a little bit about teamwork. Perfect setup, though, uh, for David Andrews. Again, folks, he is our special guest here for uh, the next 45 minutes or so. He's the team captain and the center for the New England Patriots. I know the WEI team based out of uh, Salem there. Uh, big fans of a lot of the Patriot actions over the years, David. So we're glad to have you on board. We're going to get you unmuted. I'm also going to remind the audience that we're going to change uh, the platform a little bit right now as well so that we can enable uh, all of you to interact and chat with David as well. I'll start off with a couple of questions, but want to open up to all of you. So here's what we're going to be able to do. One, you can turn, uh, we're going to adjust the platform so you can turn your uh, video cameras on. 
And then best way for me to help manage talking so we're not all over each other. Uh, with Zoom, I believe if you look at the bottom of your screen, you either have the raise hand icon or you might have to just click the three little dots where it says more and then raise hand. But if you hit the raise hand, I'll see that in the participant area. Then I can kind of call out something like, hey, Craig, you're on with David. What's your question? I'll do my best like late night or, or morning radio show type thing. So uh, that's what we'll do here. Also want to note, uh, we are going to give away some memorabilia signed. And we'll have some more details about that after the event. We're waiting to have everyone that has joined us that will be able to go through uh, the list of our clients and uh, and then share uh, some uh, memorabilia with some of you out there. So uh, stay tuned for more information on that. With that, David, uh, welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, I want to start off with one little question because I saw you would come on a little bit in the, the middle of Joe talking a little bit of tech. So here's a question for you, David. What do you think is more complicated? Cloud computing or a new playbook that a rookie has to get his head around at the beginning of a season in the NFL? Well, uh, thank y'all for having me. Um, first of all, Joe, I, uh, you had my head spinning there for a while, and then you kind of brought me back down to earth there for the last 30 seconds. But um, I can tell you what, I could learn about 10 playbooks before I understood what we were just talking about there for a minute. So, uh, it, <laughs> You know, it is tough. And I think I think when you look at football, right, there's kind of a few philosophies and you could probably apply this to what y'all do in some way. Um, you know, you've got like a West Coast system, you've got, you know, kind of this zone zone systems, you've got power systems, you know, and the system we run and a few other teams run. And um, you know, it, it's you're really not reinventing the wheel a lot of times. Um it's learning the language, learning, um, you know, certain ins and outs. And there's things you can take and apply. And, um, you know, it is hard as a lot of rookies, though. And what makes it harder is there's a lot of guys over on the other side of the ball that are pretty good, too. Right, right. You're you're now at the, the top echelon. You're, you're talking a little bit about iterations, right? It's it's look, it's the game of football. We've been playing the game for a long time, but there are those iterations. Those are little mm -hmm. things that that great coaches, great players have started doing that change the game, right? Little thing, the West Coast offense yeah. you mentioned, that was a big change out uh, uh, for me. I was I'm a San Francisco guy is where I was born and raised. And so that was a big yeah. change to the, the football system. But it was still just an iteration of what was already out there. So you're not out there trying to to reinvent the wheel. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, leadership because you are seven, uh, seventh year. Congratulations that you were voted as a, uh, a captain for the Patriots. And uh, there you guys just opened your season uh, and offensive line, little banged up. You had two rookies starting. Mm -hmm. You had your right tackle. He'd missed all of training camp. You guys weren't able to walk away with the win uh, week one. But I saw something quoted from you, which I think is why you're a captain. So I just want to share this quote with the audience and then have you comment a little bit here. But this is what uh, David had to say after the game. He said, look, I'm proud of the way that they competed. Talking about the two rookies, uh, the way they answered against a really good defensive football team and arguably one of the best fronts in football. Um, not easy for people to compliment others after a loss. Um, but 
I can only imagine how those words landed on those rookies ears, knowing a guy like you center of that offensive line, uh, recognize the work that they did. And that goes to leadership. And that's why you're a team captain. Uh, how important is it for you to have that captain title and to be that leader, to bring young guys up? Yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, it's a huge honor. It's something, you know, I don't take lightly. And I think, you know, we get asked to talk a lot about leadership and different things like that. And, um, you know, and people, what is leadership? I think leadership looks so different in so many aspects, right? And people lead differently and there might be, you know, we've always said that there's, you know, however many captains, right? But we have a lot of leaders on the football team that can help. Um, whether it's a, you know, a second year player that, played a lot as rookie year that maybe has more in common with some of the younger players than I do. Right. You know, I have a family kid, you know, I'm not 22 years old, but they can help to bring those guys along and they relate more to those guys. And, uh, you know, I think, so leadership looks a lot and you, you need to have leadership at all levels, if that makes sense, I believe. Um, but, you know, as an older guy, I think, you know, you, you got to be honest with guys and you got to tell them when it's not good enough. I think why it's not good enough and how you make it good enough. Um, and then you need to applaud them. You know, like I said, I was proud of the way those guys went out there um, and they competed, you know, um, played good enough to give ourselves a chance to win. And then obviously we just have to be better in some crucial moments. And, you know, those are things we'll talk, we talked about on Monday and um, how we need to fix them. Um you know, but I think, you know, there's no moral victories. There's no, you know, anything like that. But also when you lose or when you don't succeed, there's some good somewhere. And I think it's important to find that. And how do you build on that? You know what I mean? Instead of just being loom and gloom, hey, we lost, you got beat this, we didn't do this right. And you sit there and you beat that dead horse, which is important. You have to be honest. You have to tell them, you know, and tell even me, what did I do wrong? How can I get right. better? And then, you know, that's how you move forward. But there's also good. And I think you take that good and you build on it. Um, and that's how you become a you know better football player, better at anything, whatever you're doing. Timing of giving feedback sometimes can be very personal things. Some people can take feedback right away. And some people need to either blow off some of that steam or go in and just maybe they maybe they even know what they need to work, but they need to kind of work through that and then approach. How do you go about um, understanding when to approach a teammate with some good, hard, honest truths? Um, because that happens in business as well. We might do something in the tech space and maybe we caused a problem. Maybe we didn't program something correctly. Maybe some uh, implementation of a new technology didn't work out. And we need to, you know, uh, take that responsibility. But, but talk to me about that on on timing. How do you how do you read people to know when's the right time to go talk to them and when maybe give them a little space? Yeah, I think one that's knowing your teammates, right, and that's part of becoming a leader. Uh, you know, that's part of being a captain is knowing how guys respond. And uh, you know, I think look, I sometimes don't do it the right way. Um, you know, I can. There was a play I think last week guy did something right and it fired I mean just in the middle of it, it fired me up I was so excited and he thought I was mad at him you know and I think I was like I was like no because I was yelling his name and 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 you know I was trying to tell him how good what he did how good that was and that you know 
Um, and I think part of that's just, you know, how I was raised, how I was brought up and um, how people treated me in the league, you know, and, uh, you know, when it's good, let them know it, let them know, it. be excited for them. Right. Because they put in a lot of hard work and, um, you know, I think that's more the time to be excited versus, you know, you never want to, you never want to disrespect somebody. Um, and I think, I think it's important in my opinion, it's important when someone messes up, that's why, that's how you learn. You don't learn by doing everything right. No one would ever learn. No one would get any better. And I think, you know, as a leader, what doesn't frustrate me when we mess something up, that doesn't frustrate me. That's how we learn. All right. Well, why do we mess this up? Let's look at it. And, you know, we talk about lack of effort, um, making the same mistake over and over, you know, and it's, you know, then it kind of becomes either one, you don't care or, um, you know, you really don't, you really just don't care to fix it. And, um, so that's when it's frustrating, but I think when a guy's going out there, busting his tail every play, trying to do the right things, he messes up. Like there's no read to try to show someone up or anything like that. Talk to him. I think sharing personal experiences, right? Like, cause I've been there. I was a rookie starting week one with another rookie, um, you know, share experiences, talk about your failures, your struggles and how you learn. So I think that's something I try to do. I want to remind folks out there, if you do have a question for David, do do me the favor, get your camera on, and then also uh, use that raise hand function so I can see that in the participant view that I've got here. I'll see your hand go up, and then I'll be able to, to pick on you. Uh, you were on the line, David, when uh, Joe was talking a little bit, and it it struck me business-wise, and I think to sport very easily. Uh, he was talking about, you know, look, you got to set your strategy. And then you have to adjust and mm -hmm. you live when you get on the football field, you are living in a environment of adjust, adjust, adjust. You have to do it each play, uh, maybe multiple times during a play, depending on what's happening. Um, how did you set yourself up to be able to adjust so quickly, right? Having a plan, but then being able to adjust. Some people stick to a plan and they stick to it to their detriment and it hurts them because no, this is the plan. We got to do the plan. How, how do you, you know, stick to a plan, but also have that ability to adjust so quickly? Well, I think one for us, it would be knowing the fundamentals of the playbook to say, right. Um, if you know the details and how things are supposed to be executed and let's say you're doing it kind of a certain way, and then all of a sudden something happens. Well, you can just rely on those details and those, um, you know, executions. And I think, you know, there's the old adage, right? Everyone has a plan until they get hit in the mouth, right? And, uh, you know, that's kind of figurative. I mean, you know, figurative in some aspects, literal for us. And, uh, you know, I think in the NFL, we, we talk to the young guys a lot. And just overall, you get hit, beat with a blitz. Now it's on film. So now all 32 teams get to see what happened and you have to stop it to make it stop until you stop it. It will not stop. So, you know, I think having film, being able to watch yourself from, you know, that kind of disconnected view of the film, um, seeing different things that you can adjust. You know, we have these iPads on the sidelines. I'm sure you've seen, some of those go flying during the game, but yeah, you, know, you can kind of see some of the plays and see what's happening and adjust. And I think, you know, if, if 
the coach, you have good coaches, good people, and good players that can sit there and see what the defense is doing and adjust it within the system. I think that's really important. And that was something, you know, we talked about Sunday. Like, hey, no one has to do anything special here. And we were down 16-0. Like, no one has to do anything special. Let's play within the system. Uh, one play at a time. Like, you can't score 16 points in football in one play. Let's just let's score whatever it is first. Touchdown field, let's just get points. And then we'll go from the next drive. And then we'll go back. And then we'll keep going. And don't worry about the score. Let's just play. So, I think that's something we try to do. Uh, something I believe in. Uh, you know, and and I think you know, in life, you got to be flexible, and um, you know, especially you know, we have a two year old, and we had a lot of plans, and you learn very quickly that the two year old does not care about your plans and what time he's going to eat, when he's going to eat, when he's going, you know, it's just you know, you got to be flexible and you got to roll with the flow, and uh, if something goes bad, you know, control what you can control and just keep moving forward. I just rolled over the three teenagers threshold in my life. Um, it does you. get a little bit better. You get a little more control, but then there's a whole lot of different control that you lose once later. So that's yeah. just a little preview for you. <laughs> Let's get to uh, Steve. Uh, Steve LeClaire, we got you out there. Uh, yeah, looks like the video now. Just make sure you unmute that line. And as soon as I see that's unmuted, then uh, go ahead and uh, let us know what your question is for you're not hearing us, Steve. Yeah, I was letting him unmute. Yeah, his his line is muted. Let's see if I can unmute. So I'll, I'll send him a little ask to unmute item. And if not, Steve, there you go. Looks like it's unmuted. There we now. go. There yeah. You got me. What's your question for David? Hey, David, how you doing? Hey, Good question. Steve, how are so you? I'm I'm doing great. So yes, you're on a team. Uh, there's multiple captains. Can you talk about that? How that interaction happens? Um, on the Patriots team between the captains. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, there's three phases of the game, right? Um, offense, defense, special teams, obviously. So, you know, Slater's our special teams captain. He kind of really handles that side of the ball. Uh, he's also our veteran leader. I mean, he's been doing it the longest, uh, you know, things like that. So he provides a great insight. Uh, he's seen a lot of things, been on a lot of different teams. And then you've got, you know, me on the offense, um, Hunter Henry, Mac, and then on defense, Jawan Bentley and, and Dietrich Wise. And I think it's similar to business, right? You know, you have different IT departments, finance departments, you know, all these different departments, whatever it may be. And then within those, you also have different segments, right? Smaller segments. So like me and the O-line, like, you know, what's going on like this week, a lot of moving parts in the O-line, you know, trying to get those guys going, you know, and, and helping those young guys and, and you know, building them up and letting them know it's just football. And then you've got, you know, Hunter with the tight end, some of the skill players, Mac, you know, obviously the quarterback's the natural CEO of the offense. And, and um, you know, I think, you know, he's got an important role to play in a lot of it and with all the skill players, the O-line, you know, the offense runs through him. So, um, you know, within each phase of the game, you also have position groups uh, who deal with different things, have different issues, um, different needs from the coach, you know, different demands from the coach. So, uh, you know, we all just try to work together, one, to pass the message along that coach has given us, right? You know, what is his goals? What is he seeing for this week? What does he think is important, right? I think that's our job, one, is to reinforce that 
uh, you know, to help get those points across. And, um, you know, so I think that's what we try to do. we got a great group. I've been very fortunate to be in these captain's meetings, learn from guys like Devin McCourty, Slater, Tom, you know, uh, Dante Hightower, just a lot of guys I've been able to watch and learn from and uh, learn what it like to be a leader. And so when, just to follow up, when the shit hits the fan, are the coaches coming to you or are they going directly to players? Um, I think it's a little bit of both, right? I think, you know, uh, you know, if someone messes up on something, you know, uh, technique or play, they're not going to come to me and be like, go, that's the coach's job, right? If it's something different, whether it's something distraction wise or, um, you know, a team issue we're having, like, Hey, like, you know, we got to sit down and talk about this. We got to figure this out as leaders, um, and do what's best you know, for the team. Uh, you know, but also at the end of the day, it's coach's job is to coach. It's our job to play. And I think that's a big thing you need to maintain. I want to jump over Patrick. Saw you raised your hand up there. So Patrick, I'll ask you to unmute as well. And, uh, and then if you want to throw your camera on, you're more than welcome to as well. But what's your question for David? David, thank you so much for joining. I can't get my video up, um, but that's okay. That's not important. So uh, lifelong Dolphins fan stranded in New Hampshire. Um, however, I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Patriots this year. I felt like the training camp, there was a lot of positivity coming out on the offensive side. And with Bill O'Brien, I just think he's going to make a big difference. But, you know, big game coming up Sunday night uh, in Foxborough, Sunday night football, national audience. Um, kind of a different situation for your team this year. Um, Miami's got a new defensive coordinator coming in after three years with Josh Boyer. They got Vic Fangio. You still know the players on that side of the ball. Their mm -hmm. tendencies, you, you know, you play them twice a year. So Miami's team, their roster is fairly intact from last season. Does that help when you're studying up for this week two game? And even though it's a new scheme that you got to understand uh from the other three years does it help that you know the players that are on that roster one it's amazing how many times you hear dolphin fans up from this region you just wouldn't think that uh <laughs> but uh yeah look so i think something that's interesting around the league right there's a lot of carryover um so the philadelphia eagles defensive coordinator is a disciple of big fangio uh, now, that doesn't mean it's the exact same, but some of the base principles, kind of like we were talking about earlier from, you know, the different styles of offenses, uh, are carryover. Same with uh, the defensive coordinator in Green Bay is kind of a Fangio disciple. Now they all do different things, use their players differently. Um, so, and obviously Vic's been around, played him when he was coaching at Denver. He, you know, he's a great coach and, and has done it a lot. So there's a lot of carryover you can use from different games, if that makes sense. Um, schematically, obviously he's got different players in Miami, different skill sets. I think that's a good, you know, quality of a good coach is kind of being like, this is what I like to do. Now let's take a roster and see what their strengths are and how that matches up with what we want to try to do. And maybe not making a player do something different than what they're really good at. Um, so Vic does a really good job of that. He's a great coach. I think their roster, like you said, it, it's it's very similar. I think Jalen Ramsey's on IR right now, right? I believe, um, you know, with a knee injury. But um, 
Yeah, it's a very similar roster. Not a lot of turnovers. Really good front. Um, you know, with Chubb added, you know, late last year, um, it'll be a big challenge. And I think, you know, when you play a team like Miami, that's really explosive on offense. Obviously, we saw that last week. And, you know, know with that kind of threat of Hill and uh, Jalen Waddle, what they can do. So I think offensively, and you don't want to do this any time, but, you know, last week we had to pick six and a turnover, the fumble on the next drive. That makes it really hard on the defense. Um especially when you're giving away points um, when they're, you know, have the tall challenge of stopping that kind of offense. So that's something we have to do a better job of offensively to help our defense out. Uh, and, you know, I think our defense will have a good plan. You know, like I said, they played Tyreek Hill, you know, last year, like you said, and, and years in Kansas City a few times. So, um, you know, it, it's always a tough challenge stopping really good players, unfortunately. Um, and you guys do have a really good roster. So, um, you know, I think there is some carryover. It is it is a little bit easier to prepare when you know what you're going to see out of the players that they have because you play them twice a year. You know, it's not like I'm sitting here today studying what did this player do really well, what does this player do really well. I, I know that. I played them a bunch of times in my career. It's more of how they're using them now, if that makes sense. I appreciate it, Patrick. Thank you for the uh, the question there. Hey, uh, David, you were a high school champ, uh, played at Georgia, Super Bowl champ. You've had a lot of coaches. Um, are there one or two when someone says to you, you know, either the word coach, is there a face or two that comes to mind that will always be that coach of yours, uh, that coach that had some of the biggest influence on you um, coaching and the coaches that have impacted you? Who, who's top of the list? Oh, man, I think, you know, um, you know, I think you got to start with Dante Scarnecchia. I think he was our offensive line coach here for a long time. Um He's going to the Patriots Hall of Fame, I believe, this year. Uh, he's a great coach. He, he's – I owe a lot of my success to him over the years. Uh, so he's got to be number one. And I think uh, my high school coaches, they had a big impact on my life and, and teaching me things. One of them actually married me and my wife. So um, I have to definitely be up there. And then, you know, you got to put Bill up there. I mean, and I think at the end of the day, a coach is a teacher. Um, you know, they're nothing more, nothing less. And, um, a good coach is honest with you. And a lot of times that honesty is not fun to hear. Um, but a coach has to let you know when it's not good enough. And I think that's very important. And I think it's even more important when you win just because you won, it wasn't perfect. So, you know, keeping that mindset, that mentality, uh, that drive I think is super important. And as a coach, that's what they have to do. And, uh, you know, Dante always would win Super Bowls. And the first day we would be back in April, he was putting up that Super Bowl and he was letting you have it for what you messed up. And, and, uh, you know, I think that's important because, um, that's his job. And, um, he could have just moved on and, and, Hey, we won the Super Bowl. Great job guys. You guys are so good. Uh, the rest of the world was telling us that it's his job to bring it back down to earth and and coach us and tell us what we did wrong, tell us what we did good, tell us what we can do better and what we have to do better the next year um, to be at that level. 
I'm going to come to Kathy here with a question in just a second, but uh, I believe you said two-year-old. Um, do you want to coach something down the road when said two-year-old is ready to take some type of field or court or something? Yeah, I think, you know, my dad coached me and, and all my sports until I got to high school. And uh, I loved it at times and I hated it at times. And uh, he was really hard on me. And in baseball, I, I couldn't, I was not a good baseball player. And um, so that was hard because he demanded a lot of me, which I appreciate. I think that's important, but I just couldn't respond. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't uh, fix the problems I had, but then in football I could. And that relationship formed and, and blossomed. And, and I enjoyed, you know, looking back at a lot of the times we spent together doing things and, and being in car rides and practice and, and, you know, getting in trouble and having talks, you know, that sometimes a father and dad need to have versus, you know, mom and dad and different things like that. And uh, so I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I want to coach something when I get done with football. Um, I think at the high school level would be important. People talk about college and, and NFL, but it's a huge time, time commitment. And I just, you know, our coaches work crazy hours. Like we work a lot and obviously we're doing, get taking the beating, but the coaches, I mean, the things they do is ridiculous. And I respect the hell out of it. And I appreciate it because they're trying to put us in the, the right spot on Sunday. And, and you know, they're giving it their all, but I don't think that that lasts for me after this. I uh, hear you. Hey, you said something about those uh, those car rides. I've been coaching my all my kids, baseball and and soccer. And my daughter just got her uh, driver's license, and so now she's driving to practice and home. And I'm missing the 20 minutes there and the 20 minutes back because we would talk about everything besides soccer. It was just yeah. you know, a way to connect. And so I I just resonated with me out there. It was one of the, my, yeah. my favorites of coaching is just being around and uh, and all that. So I um, appreciate that. Kathy, you said you had a question out there. She hit me in chat. So Kathy, if you want to unmute your line there, uh, then we'll try and get you on here to ask a question of David. And I see the line's unmuted. So go for it. Hello. Hi, David. Thank you for, for doing this for us. It's really great to, to get to meet you. Um, I just want to ask, how was the energy on Sunday? I feel like with Tom Brady family and all that stuff in the, in the um, stadium, it, it seemed like a really great place to be. Unfortunately, I wasn't there, nor, the, nor was anybody that I knew, but um, it looked like a really fun day. Yeah, I think, um, you know, my wife obviously was there and got to see some of the festivities. Uh, um, yeah, as a player, especially, you know, I think for a few of us, there's not many of us, believe it or not, that played significant time with Tom um, hanging around. So I think as a player that was, you know, a part of those years and a lot of the success, it was kind of an interesting um, time because it's like, you know, you're trying to focus on a game, but also someone, you know, super important to you and, and that has afforded a lot to us is getting honored. And you're kind of in this weird limbo of like, I wish I could be a part of this, but I got my game going on. It's really important. You know, so um, I haven't watched the whole halftime thing yet. I've, I've seen a clip or two and obviously him running out on the field. My wife said she got emotional watching the halftime speech. So, um, you know, I think it is it is interesting though because you you 
look around that locker room and there's five of us, six of us that really played significant amount of time, maybe that, um, with them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's very interesting, you know, so, um, you know, cause it, it doesn't seem that long ago, but it was, you know, whatever it was four years ago. So, um, you know, I, uh, Gillette's always a fun place to play though. I think we have a great fan base. I, you know, would always tell my buddies that my first few years and they've been up a bunch and experienced it. And it is a great environment. And obviously anytime he's going to be in the building, it's going to be a big deal. Is there a place, David, that you'd love to play another football game again that you may or may not have? I'm talking maybe your high school field. Um, was there a, a college environment that you loved? Or maybe it's the antithesis, a place that you never want to visit again and you're tired of and never want to see that field. If I never see uh, the University of Tennessee's field again in my life, I'll be okay. I hate that place. George boy. Yeah. Uh, sorry if there's any volunteers out there, but man, that song, if you don't know, they, they sing the song, good old Rocky Top, woo, and the whole stadium just goes nuts. And we hear Never the song, again. yeah, when we play, when we play Tennessee that whole week, if you go in the football facility, it's over the PA system, all practice, it's over the PA system. Um, yeah, I just, I can't stand Tennessee with all due respect. Um <laughs> We what about to, we went to, you want to play again some place that maybe you, you you want to make sure that you get back to I think you know I, I played in Green Bay this summer um and then obviously last year and as someone that loves football and is appreciative of the game I mean that's kind of football heaven in my opinion um you know and it's so much history you walk out on that field and um you know it it, it kind of hits you and and you know um, that's a super special place to play, I think. Um, and you know, I mean, you, you see a lot of these stadiums, right. That are, you know, getting built, um, so far. And, and I think the bears are about to do a new stadium, um, yep. you know, and they're, and they're masterpieces. Don't get me wrong. Like they're amazing. They're beautiful. They're awesome. They're the locker rooms are big and for visiting teams and, and, it's amazing, but there's something about walking down the little tunnel and into uh into Green Bay and places like that that you know make it make it special. And I think it goes for a lot of us fans too. Uh, you know uh, those stadiums. Uh, I'm a big baseball fan and guys so going to Wrigley right yeah. uh for the first Fenway. time walking into uh you know Fenway I mean those are just yeah. places that, that it has that tradition and and holds their tradition I also see on your uh your shirt is, is that a master's shirt yeah I'm big how's your big, golf uh, game uh terrible I don't play golf uh I'm I'm kind of a weird person I really enjoy watching golf and I hate to play it okay uh I just I uh I uh no way I'm ever gonna be good at it. And and I don't need I like to hunt and fish a lot. Uh I only get so many few weekends a year that I'm not doing something. So So you don't want to frustrate yourself chasing a ball around for four hours? Yeah, I'd rather spend those hunting and fishing. Um right. if I'm gonna be away from my family. Uh but I do I enjoy the masters. It's I grew up going. 
Uh, I've been invited to play before, and um, I don't I don't get down to the tournament, but I got a buddy that goes every year, so I make sure he uh, sends me a bunch of the gear. Well, let's run here for a second. Who currently uh, on the Patriots? Who's your best golfer out there these days? Hmm. Let's see. Uh, First one know, to leave not... film to go hit the links. Well, the, the problem is, is, you know, when we're up here working, is usually not the best golf weather. Right. Uh, a little, little snow. We have let, there's less and less guys that are staying year-round. We stay year-round. Uh, but Kyle Van Noy, he's not here anymore, but he used to be a big golfer. Goskowski was a big golfer. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone right now I know that really hit it hard. Um you know, I, I don't know if there's anyone that's like super committed anymore. I think, you know, find some guys flows sometimes with the team development. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and, and different teams, there's more golfers. Um, you know, I think I'm trying to think if there's just anyone I'm thinking of that's like, yeah, that guy is trying to get out there as much as possible. And I don't really think so. I know not right now. Matt, Max played a little bit. Uh, Jacoby Myers was getting into it last, you know, last year before he left. And uh, so you got guys more and more coming around to it. Yeah. And, and it, it's a secondary for a lot of guys out there. Um, uh, Melanie is one of our uh, producers behind the scenes here. She saw you at a Panera. And it leads me to ask you, what's your uh, routine pregame and postgame for fueling up? I worked with the Niners for a while, traveled with them as a radio guy. Every time we got on the plane after a game, bucket of chicken, like full bucket, full chicken, Mm -hmm. uh, a couple beers, a lot of carbs going in. Um, What's it like these days for you guys in terms of pre-meal and post-meal? I think think everyone's different, right? And the one thing that's kind of, wonky in the NFL compared to colleges, the travel, um, and the schedule, you know, really on, you play on Saturdays in college here, you're playing Thursdays, Mondays, short weeks. You're going, like you said, you're going West coast to East coast. And now in college, you're going to start seeing that a little more with some of these real realigning of conferences, but you know, really we didn't travel much in the SEC. And, um, you know, I think our longest trip was to Missouri, so you weren't dealing, you know, I mean, there's nights we walk in at, you know, get back, land at 5 a.m., uh, go home, sleep for three or four hours, and you're back at the facility at 10.30 a.m., you know, starting the day. And um, it's just – it's very different. And I think as a young guy, that was hard for me because it, it was, you know, like I said, you're getting back late, you're you're – got a short week then you're on a long week then you you know you're playing on a thursday and then you're playing month. it's just very interesting so you're playing at one you're playing at three you're playing at eight um time zone so for me personally i think beforehand i i you know if it's a like a one o'clock game wake up breakfast you know pancakes some type of french toast oatmeal some some type of carbs some protein um, and then usually a smoothie, like 10, 30, 11, um, you know, fruit, banana, probably something with some bananas in it, more carbs, things like that. And, um, and then that try to carry me through the day. 
Uh, you know, and then after the game, if you're at home, uh, we usually order pizza. That's kind of was our thing last year, me and the wife. And if people are in town who doesn't love pizza, we like pizza. Right. It's easy. It's easy, Simple. you know. Um, we have also have some food after chicken fingers, hamburgers, hot dogs, things like that. Take the, some of that stuff home. Um, you know, but I think uh, you try to be smart after games. It's kind of like whatever I can get just to get <laughs> calories back in. Yeah, to re important. rebuild you. Yeah, I mean, you, you just expended yourself for four hours and your body just went through about 75 car wrecks. So, right. Uh, and and it's different for everybody. I have trouble keeping weight on, so I know when I need to put more in, take some out. Um, different types of foods, like I try to avoid sugar because I, if I start eating sugar, the next thing you know, it's a pint of ice cream a night. So I try to avoid that that <laughs> stuff. So I think everyone's different, right? And everyone has different body goals. Um, we get fined if we're overweight. I think it's seven hundred and ninety dollars a pound. So, um, yeah, you don't want to be overweight. In this yeah, place. you don't so, want to have that coming down so the line i think you know everyone's different everybody's body's different um you know as an offensive lineman i get a little bit more leeway though i i, I was gonna say there's some guys on the team that might get a little more leeway than than others um before we uh we'll be wrapping up here shortly and folks if you have any uh final questions you want to get in again get your hand raised i want to come back to a little bit on the uh, kind of business uh front of things as well and it goes to resilience and uh you were out the 2019 season uh some mm -hmm. illness put you on the sideline and um to be sidelined and then come back and still play at such a high level, still have the trust of the team to be a captain, still be able to lead like you did. What gets you through? What got you through uh, having to watch from the sidelines and, and really uh, be resilient? Because it happens to uh, all of us at different stages, different uh, ways that we might get sidelined. Sometimes it's in business. We might get passed up for an opportunity and we have to you know watch someone else do something we want to be desperately doing. Um, how did you, what, what type of resilience did you have how'd you get through that time yeah so for those that don't know i uh in 2019 i suffered a uh pulmonary embolism uh you know i uh we didn't know why or have how it happened i uh came into training camp was coughing up blood thought it was something i was practicing trying to make it through and just couldn't catch my breath was struggling still coughing up a lot of blood and i actually made it about three or four weeks in training camp and uh, one night my wife was like, you got to go see a doctor tomorrow. Like you sound terrible. You're wheezing. And uh, I went in, saw a doctor. They were like, all right, we'll go to MGH, see the lung specialist. And uh, went up to MGH and, and my wife actually had left that day to go to New York with one of her best friends uh, for a couple of days. And uh went into MGH and, and ended up not leaving that night was in the hospital for about five days. But, um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting time. You know, I was pretty fortunate. I hadn't had really any big injuries. Um, you know, I was relatively young and I, you know, now I was dealing with, uh, you know, something that was a little bit different. It wasn't a torn ACL. It wasn't, you know, shoulder surgery or, you know, pulled hamstring, whatever, you know, a lot of, football injuries it was you know more of a life injury and um, didn't know what that was going to look like if I would play again we didn't know what had caused my blood clots at the time so I was getting tested for cancers all kind of different things uh 
you know, there's so many different things that blood clots are linked to. And since we didn't know where it came from, that was a big thing. So that was concerning, you know, I mean, is it just this blood clot and we'll get over this or, you know, something else a lot more serious going on. And I was very fortunate um, that it was just a kind of freak accident and, um, you know, and, and it's, it, it was tough, you know, and then, um, you know, it was tough for a little while and I think, but it goes back to that whole controlling what you can control. Right. And I couldn't make myself better. Um, you know, I couldn't, I wasn't going to be better that year. That year was what it was and I wasn't going to play. And hopefully, um, you know, I was going to get the chance to play next year. If You know, I passed all these scans I had to do and checkups and different things. And, uh, you know, I think that, it was a big year for me uh, because it gave me a lot of perspective on different things and um, things I took for granted, the mundane things that, you know, we complain about and, you know, I'm tired. I, I'm, my body's sore. I'm practicing and, you know, I'm going through hard time, you know, and, um, you know, I took, took, took the game for granted a little bit um, just because I had been so fortunate. I've been playing a long time and, uh, you know, but there was also a lot of good in it. And I think no matter what, kind of talking about earlier, right? Like we lost Sunday. All right. There's a lot of bad. There's a lot we can clean up, but there was a lot of good. And I got to spend a lot of time with my wife and, and we got to do a lot of things we don't usually get to do during football season. And, you know, she sacrifices, you know, she gets to do a lot, but she sacrifices a lot of things with me and time with me because every weekend we're in a hotel, we're away, no matter home or away. So, you know, it's not like on, you know, the weekends we get to go do family things. I'm working all weekend, man. Um, I think that's tough, you know, for them. And um, so we got to do a lot of things, you know, because I wasn't working on the weekends. And I enjoyed a lot of that and, and spending time with her and, you know, getting to enjoy things we don't usually get to enjoy. And, um, and then and trusting a different lot. team. You had you had to trust the team than the doctors and folks yeah. to really help you through something, a different type of team members, right? Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, I was still involved a lot, uh, you know, and I think sometimes you got to look at things, you know, all right, I can't do this, but what can I do? You know, what, what, what can I do? And instead of sitting around moping and being sad and be like, I can't play, I can't do anything. Well, I kind of shifted my role that year. I was able, I helped in meetings. I, I let a, the offensive line coach Dante at the time was good enough to let me lead a pass rush meeting every week. So I looked at, what they did on third down, got to make cutups, what I thought was important for us, points I wanted to make. Um, he let me be involved in things like that. I went to practice every day. I didn't practice. I stood around. I helped out with what I could. and was another set of eyes. And I think that's just a big thing, right? During adversity, you really have one or two options. You can sit there and feel sorry for yourself. Or you can take it, look at it. What can I do? Right. I didn't get this position. I didn't get this job offer, whatever it may be. That's fine. Now, what can I do to make myself better? What can I do in spite of that? Um, and I think that was, you know, something I tried to do. And I think it's really important, you know, in all aspects of life, um, you know, marriage, raising kids, friendships, you know, everything is what, what can I do? All right. And what can I control? And, and I couldn't control my health. Um, you know, that was the doctors and that was my body just healing itself. And um, so I think that's a big thing, um, you know, is, is finding what you can do and, and not what you can't do.
I love it. I love it. And I think it's a great place to almost end. I do have to pass this on. Remember uh, Patrick, you spoke to earlier. He was the Dolphins fan. Yes. He, he's a Volunteers fan as well. That's uh, that's where we're going to end. I, it. I, I feel bad for him, you know, because those are two tough franchises to, you know, cheer for. But uh <laughs> I don't know. I thought I thought last year might Tennessee might you know you guys beat Alabama, Patrick. That was good, but you know when when those Bulldogs come to town, it's always tough. Yeah. <laughs> well, we appreciate it, David. Thank you for your time here today. We're gonna hang with the crew and uh, and wrap things up, but appreciate you joining us. Some insights into uh, business and football and and life as well. Appreciate you sharing your story, sir. Thanks, guys. Thank y'all for having me. All right. Take care, uh, folks. I hope you en- enjoyed that conversation. I sure did. There was uh, some fun insights there with uh, David and and Evan and, and Joe. I just want to take a quick little moment uh, just to let you guys muse a, a little bit, just hearing some of the, the thoughts on, on teamwork, uh, leadership. Joe, uh, life, man, I saw you smiling on there. You know, David just saying, look, sometimes things happen. You got to know what can you do in uh, all that. So I'll invite both you guys again unmute yourselves and uh and just any comments joe on uh kind of the idea there of um you know what you heard from uh david in terms of that and i, I think we're trying to unmute here I'll, I'll send you the little if i send you that little ask unmute i think it it lets you do it and so i just sent evan as well so okay um, we're unmuted yes yeah indeed. there you go joe yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I think everything, uh, you know, and I, and I and I love the stories, uh, especially you know the, the the stories and the love for Georgia. Since I've lived here in Georgia for thirty years, uh, grew up disliking the University of Georgia. Since I'm a Kentucky boy, another SEC team uh, that used to not play much football, but now does. And turns out, who knew Georgia has a great college out there in Athens and a, and a fabulous football program, as we all know, but yeah, it's, it's all about teamwork. Right. And I, I love the, everything that he said, you know, when, when one uh, team uh, or one, let's just say uh, defensive lineman or offensive lineman, or, or maybe even quarterback, you know, fails, it's just like when a server fails, you have safety in numbers, you have backup in numbers, right? That's what clustering technology is all about. That's what cloud computing is partially about, right? Having other systems available in other people or resources available to step up and step in when needed. And and Evan, I was I, I alluded to when I introduced Joe that uh, had had actually spoken to a WEI customer and and was so thrilled that customer was to have had their relationship with the same sales rep at, at WEI for such a long period of yeah. time that that personal relationship goes a long way. And sometimes I think some businesses forget that that the business is people to people. It's Evan and James working. It's David and Joe working together. It's not just Company A and Company B and the environment at the WEI is very team centric, is very personalized, has been my observations. Just talk on that for a brief moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's spot on. I mean, um, obviously, we have all these awards and certifications, which are great. Um, you know, we've been partnering here with HPE, but the real awards really come from our customers. So at the end of the year, we can send out line or survey cards. Um, you know, our average tenure with our customers is over 10 years, uh, which really shows the commitment to the partnership. Um, so it's really important to us. I mean, uh, Dave was talking about having different teams, even internally, um, different business units. There's leaders on each team. Um, you know, you got to leverage those partnerships and um, not just internally, but obviously with HPE as well. But 
Um, you know, we try to be an extension of every team that we're involved with. Um, and just having that open line of communication, which is really important. Um, you know, there's a few different selling techniques and I think uh, everybody on our team um, really hones in on one, which is uh, building that relationship and, um, you know, continuing to just be that, be that uh, security guard form, that first call that they make, um, you know, to get the solutions that they need. Well, definitely for uh, those of you that have joined us here today, if you're already part of uh, and involved with the WEI family, then, of course, stay in touch with your uh, reps and your client executives and everything, and they'd love to hear from you and, and continue those conversations. If you happen to be new uh, to the team, I believe we put out that URL earlier, or the email address was marketing at wei.com, so you can get some more information and reach out. And uh, Joe gave his Joe V at HPE. It's one of the best emails out there. Uh, so if there's anything that you want to reach out to him, you can. 